Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday Suckage, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. We will be on till two. You know, need an hour to fumigate the suckage out of the studio and the airwaves, and then the score will bring you coverage of the NFL playoffs today. Bengals and Titans, the first game, followed by 49ers and the evil dreaded Packers with the vomit green uniforms and the vomit green and urine yellow uniforms, as Les would say. And so we're going to look at those games and the rest of them on Sunday as well. And we're going to welcome back to the show Ryan Horvat. He is host of BetMGM, BetMGM Tonight, I'm sorry, uh, Monday through Friday, 7 to 11. Also BetMGM MLB podcast powered by BetQL with Cody Decker every Monday and Thursday on Odyssey Sports. You can find him on Twitter at, at Ryan Horvat. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Appreciate that. Guys, thanks so much for having me again. Hopefully uh, you're enjoying the weekend. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to these games after what we saw last week. And a bunch of blowouts and then a bunch of bad coaching mistakes that involved Mike McCarthy and even Kyle Shanahan. So I think today we'll get some closer games probably this weekend. You know, the Bears are looking for coaches. It brings it up that, that Mike McCarthy was – see, Packer fans were really screwed last week because they wanted Mike McCarthy to get embarrassed, but that meant that the 49ers would be coming to Lambeau and the 49ers were a yep. better team and better coach. So the laugh might be on Packer fans. But when you talk about coaching mistakes and you look at how much how much would Mike, a guy like Mike McCarthy or any coach, say Bill Belichick on the other end, how much would a guy like that factor into a line or your willingness to put money on it? Yeah, that's a great question right there. And um, it, it matters a lot to me. Like, I look at coaching all the time. You know, there's a couple coaches I do not like to bet against. And uh, I did that a couple times this year. Like, I bet against Bill Belichick a couple weeks back because that wasn't your typical Patriots team. But usually when he's an underdog, you want to be on his side, right? And then the same thing with Nick Saban. Um, but I think that plays a huge factor, you know, especially in some of these coaching matchups where you get a Kyle Shanahan going against, you know, a Dan Quinn. They know each other really well. Or Kyle Shanahan against Mike McCarthy. And, you know, we know Mike McCarthy really well because, you know, we've been watching the Packers for he was there for pretty much a decade. And, you know, he's not the best in-game manager, decision maker. And we saw that again. So I think that plays a huge factor. You know, you look at this game today. San Francisco and Green Bay, that's why I find like this one's kind of tough to break down because both head coaches are kind of a mirror of each other. 
They grew up together. Um, you know, LaFleur's had more success so far, but he's also had Aaron Rodgers, where Shanahan's only had Jimmy Garoppolo healthy for a season. But I think the coaching, like the big coaching matchup that I really like today, and the reason why I'm playing the Tennessee Titans is because Mike Vrabel is a much better coach than Zach Taylor. And I know Zach Taylor is getting a lot of coach of the year love, but that's because their offense is just tremendous with Joe Burrow and all those weapons. But Mike Vrabel is 8-0 and straight up and 8-0 and against the spread when he has hmm. eight days between games. Oh. And that's what, he ha- that's what he has going oh. into today's game. Also has home field advantage and Derrick Henry coming back. So right there, that answers your question. There's your coaching advantage. Oh. Eight and no straight up. <laughs> yep. Those are some great nuggets right there, Ryan. And uh, I want to st- I want to get back to. I know you you referenced it, but the 49ers at the Packers and and the 49ers announced that they were for real. As sloppy as that game was for both teams at times, 49ers at Dallas last week. When you went on the road in the NFL playoffs, that could very well mean that you are that team, even as a six seed, that team that is hot and tight at the right time. And then you play this Packers team, Ryan, and this is really my question. Do you have to take into account the recent lack of success that the Packers have had in the postseason? Because it's like every regular season is like it was this year. Dominant and great. 13-40 and 40 this year, the number one seed. And then somehow they always seem to get eliminated. Do you have to take that into account? And how far do you think the Packers could actually go? I think you do, especially when they do get to the NFC title game, you know, because Rodgers' record kind of speaks for itself. And the one win, you know, was obviously painful because it's, for you guys it's against the Bears. And he didn't really play particularly well in that game. Like the biggest play he made in that game was the tackle he had on Urlacher on that pick that he threw. So I think <laughs> you kind of do have to look at it. You look at it and you see he's 0-3 against San Francisco, you know, and you look at it, it's kind of a nightmare matchup, right? Defensively, they have pass rushers like Nick Bosa. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. They have Fred Warner, who I think is one of the more underrated linebackers in the league. And, like, look at this matchup. Like, Green Bay, what do they stink at? Uh, they can't stop the run. They're 22nd right now, DVOA on the season defensively, but they're 28th against the run, and they struggle on early downs. They're 24th on first down defensively against the run and 26th on second down, and that's where San Francisco is great, right, because they're going to look to run the ball. Um, Debo Samuel is going to line up all over the field and Green Bay is also 26 in the league uh, against the tight end opposing tight ends just destroy them so I think George Kittle is going to have a huge day as well because they've kind of been they've had him on a leash you know Kyle Juszczyk who's their fullback had more targets last week Kittle only had two targets I think he's the best tight end in the league or at least right there behind uh, Kelsey and Gronk so I think he's going to have a huge game and I wouldn't be shocked if San Francisco kept this close um, maybe even won this one outright, just because I think you have to look at it like this is a terrible matchup, and Rodgers has never beat them in the playoffs before. We're talking with Ryan Horvat, host of Bet MGM tonight. You can catch him Monday through Friday from seven to eleven p.m. Eastern time, six to ten our time. So if you look at in in talking about handicapping a game, both analyzing it with with money, with somebody else's money, with your money, and analyzing it for just for the sake of where are these teams with respect to one another? When you look at Aaron Rodgers playing at home, being Aaron Rodgers, MVP, and Jimmy Garoppolo and not knowing his health, let's assume the Packers are smart enough to dare Jimmy Garoppolo to beat him, not knowing how healthy he is, and take away everything you just talked about. We're going we're gonna to play the run, we're going to stop the run, and dare George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo to beat us. Is that often the case? In playoffs, do you find, or is or do teams come in and play to their DNA? 
I feel like, you know, we may see Green Bay do just that. And, you know, I, I think that for the first time all season long, too, I, and I think they will sell out to stop the run and make Jimmy Garoppolo, especially with the injured throwing shoulder. And, you know, and he's also has an injured finger as well right now. We were talking about that last week. Also, I think everybody's kind of overblowing the weather. Like, yeah, it's going to be cold, but Jimmy Garoppolo didn't grow up in, uh, on the islands. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo grew up in Arlington Heights and went to Eastern <laughs> Illinois. So I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure he knows what the cold weather feels like, you guys. But I, I think he'll be all right. And also, he played in New England for years. Like, he's only been in San Francisco a couple of years. So I think they're overblowing that a little bit. But I think Green Bay absolutely has to sell out to stop the run. And they're finally healthy, too. Like, now they have Rashawn Gary, they have Preston Smith, but they get Zedarius Smith back for the first time since week one. I don't know what that does really to stop the run. He's more of a pass rusher, but it definitely helps them defensively if him and Jair Alexander are out there. But you know what's funny is, like, Aaron Rodgers at home, I never bet against him at Lambeau Field because if you've bet on Aaron Rodgers every home game since he came into the league, you've won 65% of the time. Oh. He is 69-37-4 and four on the road at home, I mean. But get this. Um, Kyle Shanahan, I know people don't know if he's a good coach or they question if he's a good coach, I should say, or they wonder if he's just a great play caller. When he has a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo and they're on the road as underdogs, they're 10-3 and three against the spread together. Like, the problem is he's had guys like Nick Mullen behind center. You know what I mean? And so finally, like, when he has a healthy team, they're very scary. But uh, to answer your question, I think Green Bay may switch some things up. Also, we don't really know because three years ago or two years ago when they lost to San Francisco and gave up 300 yards on the ground, Mike Pettin was the defensive coordinator. Now they have Joe Barry, so it's a little bit different of a defense that we haven't seen at full strength. So I think they have to switch some things up because if they try to play San Francisco like they have in the past, you know, even going back to those Kaepernick years when he was rushing for 100 yards on them, I think they're going to get killed on the ground today. The Rams last week obliterated Arizona. Big relief from Matt Stafford. Sunday game tomorrow, 2 p.m., Rams at the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I love this game. What do you think of it, Ryan? Yeah, Mark, I just went back and actually watched this game from week three because I really couldn't remember it. You know, I just remember that the Rams win at 34-24, but I go back and I watch that game, and it's like a slow start. And then all of a sudden, the Rams score on six straight possessions. I just wonder if they're going to be able to do it again. I know they're playing their best football right now. Von Miller looked great. Aaron Donald, we know what he is. And then they have Jalen Ramsey. So they, they have the horses on the defensive side of the ball to slow down Brady and them. But they also had a lot of luck in that game, and they went 10 for 15 on third down in that game against that Bucks defense. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And since that loss, the Bucks have went 6-1 and one against playoff teams, and they've won eight of their last nine games. Like, we keep, they keep losing guys. You know, obviously Antonio Brown's gone. Uh, Chris Godwin's out for the season. But I just hate betting against Tom Brady. I took the points with the Rams plus three because I think it's going to be a close game. But when you get Tom Brady as a favorite or seven or fewer points, he's 76 and 48. So, I mean, I hate betting against Brady. As we get closer, if that gets down a little bit but on the money line, maybe I'll bet the Bucks. But I did take the points with the Rams because I think it's going to be a close game. I think that's a field goal game. You hate betting against Brady, and you just told us you did. Do I have that right? Have I connected those dots, Ryan? Yeah, I watched that game on Monday, and I try not to overreact to just one matchup. And I also said whoever wins this game, I'm going to fade because Arizona did not belong in the postseason. They weren't the same team the second half of the season. But – I, I, and like, I wasn't like really impressed with the flashy weapons because Odell Beckham Jr. was eventually going to get healthy and make some plays. But just seeing that version of Von Miller, and then I heard Peyton Manning even talking about it, and he's like, man, if Von Miller plays like that, this team could win the Super Bowl. That looks like Von Miller from five years ago. You know, and it's, that frees up Aaron Donald a little bit. They have the pass rushers. The only way you could beat Brady 
is the way that the Giants beat them twice, right? You have to get that interior pressure, and you have to beat them up a little bit. And I think the Rams are the one team that could do that. So I think it's close. But, yeah, I mean, that's probably the most insane thing I've done, uh, bet against Brady in the playoffs. <laughs> Terrible decision. Terrible decision. But I do think the Rams keep it close. All right. So the, high, the, the closest line and the highest total, I don't know how often that happens. Closest line, Bills and Chiefs. Minus 1.5, Chiefs favored by 1.5, and and 54. So it's the highest total on the board last I saw. What do you make of that when we all, we're all, all, Bears fans are watching to see which guy they should hire, the offensive coordinator of the Bills or the defensive coordinator. And now there's talk they have a, they have a second interview scheduled with the, with one of the guys who are in the Chiefs front office. So that's a game of great interest. But how do you see it playing out on the field? Yeah, everybody's saying that whoever wins this game is going to win the Super Bowl. I think they'll actually have a tough matchup. Whoever wins this one next week, if they have to go to Tennessee. But I can't wait to watch this. I like Brian Dable a lot, actually. And, I mean, his resume looks more and more impressive every week. He just hung all those points on the Patriots, scored on, what, seven straight possessions and didn't have to punt once in that game. Um, I know the total is the highest of the week. I played the over when it was at 53 and a half, and I still played at 54. Anything under 55 or the key number, just because I know it's going to be a really public play. I just think that both offenses, if you look at it right now, they're both trending up. Like the Chiefs, all of a sudden, have the league's number one passing offense the last eight weeks. They were just 15th the first 10 games when we were all wondering what the hell's wrong with Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then early on in the season, I really liked the Bills, but the only reason I didn't trust them in the playoffs and cold weather games was they didn't like to run the ball. Like the first 10 games of the season, they had the 25th rushing offense in the league. Since then, they're number one in rushing DVOA. They started using Devin Singletary. I don't know how much they're going to use him tomorrow because I think it's going to be Allen and Mahomes both dropping back in this game 40 times. But the Bills beat the Chiefs back week five, 38-20. They scored 17 unanswered points. I just I think this is the Bills' year, at least to get to the Super Bowl. All of their wins, they've had some bad losses. Like they lost to the Jags 9-6. to But every win they've had has been by double digits. Their point differential is ridiculous, and I do think Josh Allen's the real deal. And I think this is all their wide receivers are going to have favorable matchups today, or I mean uh, tomorrow, because the Chiefs are going to play a lot of man. So I think uh, Stephon Diggs will have a big day. Dawson Knox across the middle. I like the Bills and the over in that game. Ryan, just switching it up on you a bit now that we've made our way through the NFL games. The uh, you've been watching these Bulls. They've been struggling a little bit lately, and. Uh, Got uh, the flagrant two by Grayson Allen last night and a loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. But I'm just wondering, uh, are the are the Bulls' chances in the Eastern Conference starting to slide in Las Vegas? Yeah, I feel like, you know, the Bulls, I mean, obviously a great start, but now the injuries are starting to pile up. You know, if they, they obviously could have used Zach last night. And, um, you know, the injuries are piling up, and I think they're a really good team. Like I do, I think they're like a fourth or fifth seed maybe in the East, maybe even a three. I just don't think they could play to the same level of the Brooklyn Nets, you know, who have all those superstars. Um, although, man, if Kyrie doesn't decide to get vaccinated and can't play at home, that'll be huge in playoff series. Like, what if there's a game six or a game seven, and then he has to sit out? But oh, you saw last night, I just I don't think they have an answer for Giannis. You know, maybe if Patrick Williams is healthy, or if they could maybe make a move at the deadline, but... I think they're a really good team. It'd be awesome if they could win a playoff series. I just I don't think that they're an Eastern Conference Finals or Finals team just yet. Maybe if they're healthy, but right now, I mean, these injuries are just starting to get a little bit ridiculous because they just beat all the COVID situations. They just got everybody back from COVID, and now guys are dropping like flies. So I just hope that they could stay healthy. But I'll tell you, man, I mean, it's 
at least they're relevant. Like, this has been the yeah. most fun that I've had in the last 10 years watching them. And then Grayson Allen last night. Really quick, funny story about Grayson Allen. So, um, my uncle, Mike Gillespie, actually, he was doing basketball camps when he got out of coaching in Florida, right? And he was working with Grayson Allen when he was a senior in high school. And he was like, oh, I love this kid. He's just a competitor. Then he goes to Duke, and he's constantly tripping people and kicking people. And I'm like, man, this kid is a punk. I hate this kid. And, they're, and like, they could, like, my family – like in Florida, they constantly stick up for him. They're like, nope, he's just a competitor. That's just a competitor in him. And then last night I had to text him. I'm like, that is the dirtiest thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> he, he did not need to go for that second swat right there. People on uh, social media this morning have been trying to defend it, Bucks fans. Oh, just, my God. I thought that was dirty. Well, man. what did your family say? Did, did, was your family convinced this time? I've got no response yet. From <laughs> I sent it an hour and a half ago. So Ghosted. I don't even think they're going to be – there's no way they could defend that, man. I don't know how anybody's right. trying to defend that, saying he's going for the ball. That was a dirty play. I, and, and like I, Billy Donovan said after the game, that could have ended Caruso's career right there. I, I picture your family right now scurrying to make a statement. We've got to make a statement to Ryan about this. He, he might be right. We've got to come up with something. You, uh, exactly, you know, exactly. Ryan, let your family know that Grayson Allen is the, is the spawn. He is the residue of what came out of Satan's rectum. Just let them know. <laughs> Before we let you go. Mark, Mark, you know, we, we, harsh, we're familiar with uh, Ryan Horvat as a young man from Joliet, but you didn't know this. We were tipped off by Spilkus to this, that um, that he is a massive Aaron Rodgers fan. What do you think, again, in these six degrees of Les Grobstein, what do you think the Grover would think of a Illinois-born young man being a fan of the quarterback oh. of the team that wears vomit green and urine yellow? So I actually have an answer to that because so when I uh, got out of school, because originally I wanted to coach, I wanted to coach football and I wanted to teach English. When I decided I wanted to get into broadcasting, I had a hard time getting an internship because I was already out of school and you needed to be in school, obviously getting credits. So um, luckily I met somebody named Steve Leventhal in the Chicagoland area. And my first assignment as an intern, I got to cover Bulls media day. So I got to do some Bulls games and I actually got to meet Les because uh, he was you know friends with him and, I remember the first time I met him, he, like, pulled out his wallet. And he was showing me, like, literally just pictures and all this awesome stuff. And, yeah, all these stories. and guys, I'm the biggest 90s Bulls fan. My favorite player, I still have, like, every Tony Kukoc jersey. I have a Tony Kukoc fat head. So I talked and, like, picked his brain. And I remember Steve told him, though, that I was a Packers fan, and he was just disgusted with me. Like, he looked at me and just shook his head, and he was like, and you're from where? And I was like, Joliet, Illinois. AMA. That that explains it or something like that. And then he just walked away from me. Oh, my God. Hey, that's a good way to get yourself hurt. I mean, I'm surprised (laughs) that you did not walk away with that with some sort of scuff mark. Yeah, that's it. That's right. And I was trying trying to keep it a secret because I was also getting to cover some – that was when Tressman was the head coach. I was getting to do some Bears, too, you know, and I was like, um, and Martellus Bennett, like, gotten. I, I remember I was at training camp when Martellus Bennett got in the fight, and I was just like, yeah, I'm just, you know, obviously I'm just here to do my job, keep this a secret. But then, you know, everybody knew, so he gave me a hard time about it. You can't be a Packers fan from Joliet. No. So you gotta... I'll defend it, though. I'll defend this. My uncle, my great uncle, Earl Gillespie, used to broadcast for the Milwaukee Braves when they won the World Series, and then he also did play-by-play for the Packers. So I got – I went to Lambo when I was five years old, and I just fell in love. Every everything else is Chicago for me, but man, I mean, I went there, and then it was Favre, and it was just too beautiful to pass up loving that team. Well, just so you know, the Wiener Circle had tweeted out that when the Packers lose to the Forty ers tomorrow night, meaning tonight, 
We will be giving away all the fries, all you can eat fries, topped with Wisconsin's finest cheddar to all bait bar patrons who would like to celebrate. And we also tweeted out the Wiener Circle. Aaron Rodgers hasn't won a Super Bowl since Obama's first term. We love the Wiener Circle. <laughs> so there yeah, you go. And, and they, are, they are the best. They are the best. I was going to make a crack at 1985, but I love the Wiener Circle. So yeah. I'm just going to shut my mouth. They also put on their marquee. It's part of them that, that was written up in San Francisco. They, it was on their marquee. I own Aaron Rodgers. Signed, Science. I love that. I love that. That, 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 that. Now that I respect, and, and I got a, I got a nice little chuckle. All right, Ryan, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Me too. Thanks, That's Ryan, Ryan Horvat. Bet MGM is um, he's great. Love talking with Joliet Kid. Is right. He's got a yeah. withering sound, a withering sound of disappointment from Les at yeah, MGM no, tonight. I, it's like I should have asked Ryan this, but I knew that we we couldn't keep him on forever. I'm like, Ryan's had an interesting story, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, like wanting to be a coach and English teacher, so sort of a late bloomer to the business. And now it makes me – I probably cross paths with – Ryan at some point in time covering something if he was uh, doing the stuff with Steve Leventhal. So I don't know that that's interesting, but I'm kind of just talking to myself right now, Steve, just no, that's, thoughts that are, yeah. you, you have the, the inner dialogue that was, uh, and I was thinking about this today because less was every story you've heard from like, other than the one when if you tell less you're an Aaron Rodgers fan from Illinois, you're going to get the kind of crap that Ryan got. But every story about less was about, how helpful he was. He had no, you know, he might have met you for the first time. You might have been an intern. You might have been on the job for ten minutes. And Les was that kind of guy. What do you know? What do you need? How can I help? Here, do this. You know, and showing you around. That was always the point. And what you just brought up, you cross paths maybe with somebody, and you you well eventually ask yourself, do I have the guts to ask this person? Was I mean to you? Was, was I a <laughs> jerk to you? Right. And I flashed on our friend Missy Isaacson, who wrote a book called State, and it's a wonderful book. In the first couple of chapters, part of which I was crying, but one of them, she she sat down to relive her state championship at Niles. Now I'm going to get it. One of the Niles. I can't remember. They beat Flojo or Jackie Joyner Kersey. Yeah, I remember you and I interviewing Right, her. we did. And, and she... Sit, sat down with interviews with her former teammates when they won the high school state title. And she asked one of them, was I mean to you? And, and I think that's, that goes through my mind when I hear these stories of how St. Yeah. Les was always that guy to everybody. Nobody would ever say, unless you tell them you're an Aaron Rodgers fan and you're born in Illinois, but... The rest of us, like, oh, I always ask myself, was I, a, sorry, was I a bleep to you? That's what I, I don't know if I have the guts to ask that. I don't know if right. I want to hear well, the answer. He, he wouldn't even, like, I, I, you know, there was a couple times where I'd call Les the next day after one of our transitions. I'd be like, uh, you pissed him. For what? <laughs> I didn't, that's over to me. So he was never mad, and I would occasionally check. But I did, that is such a great point, like, 
Les Grobstein, like there's no better person to have. Like if you're starting a new job and we'll just we'll use the the media example because that is the real one. If you're going to cover a game for the first time in your life, it's an intimidating process. This ain't all fun and games, folks. It's competitive. You got to know where mm-hmm. you need to be. You got to get to the locker rooms. You got to sometimes get to two locker rooms. It's 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 not easy. And it's an imposing thing when you first start. I think Les Grobstein would be the 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 very best person to meet like he's like the only person i would want to meet do you want to you want to learn from one of those other jaded reporters covering our sports that don't really have your best interests in mind less has your best interests in mind at all times and if Ron, if if less was the first person he met there is nobody else in a press box and i've worked with a whole lot of people in press boxes that I would want to escort me and to be my guide. And yeah, you're going to have to deal. There's an opportunity cost. You're going to have to hear (laughs) some things and see some things that you maybe didn't really care about. And there might be a time when even you have to say, Hey, I got to go do this thing. I got to make this call. Can I, can I get like at some point in time, but the opportunity cost is minimal. And eventually that opportunity cost will make you laugh too. When you get, when it's all said and done. It's true. It's true, and and he would be the guy, and and that's what you want. You want the fourteen year old leading you around, the guy with the childlike, the fourteen year old's yes. childlike love and support of yeah. yeah of of support of the sport as well as the team, and that's why he was resistant to robot umps and and DHs and any other kind of change. And and we had a text earlier. I I don't know where it was from, but it was well done. That the text of as we were talking about the point you made about Les's territorializing like a 14-year-old defending his teams in a sport and forever. And somebody said, hell, less territorialized planets. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I did. Yes. There was, no, there was no room for change in no. Les's life. Like a lot of us fear change, but we accept it. And typically it's better. We are better off for accepting the change and letting life happen. Nope. Less was no. it's. Can you imagine what if what if the alphabet added an extra letter? Oh, <laughs> I the do not. other letter <laughs> is F. You yeah, can yeah. guess what follows that. <laughs> like add an extra number, or I do not acknowledge the letter Sienta or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the letter Prince. Yeah, yeah the letter. Pr- I do not acknowledge that there are twenty six letters in the alphabet. Period. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We um, we will do what Mark heard. It seems like a good time. Should we do what Mark heard? Is Hell, there something? Yeah. yeah. One of the cuts will even include Grobber, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go around. We're gonna football. We got some Billy Donovan. It's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. All right, we will have uh, as much. We will have some updated NFL Bears coaching GM information for you when we come back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Indeed. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody. The Six Degrees of Les Grobstein Saturday, Saturday Suckage. And it's time for our near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard. What did Mark heard this week? 
Let's start with the NFL, and obviously the Bears are going through a hiring process, as are several other teams around the NFL. And Kaylin Kaler of The Defector, uh, she's a writer for The Defector, Mm -hmm. covers a lot of NFL. You've heard of her, Steve, right? Mm -hmm. She was on with Bernstein and Rahimi the other day, and she did a deep dive on the concept of, of nepotism and some of the flaws in the hiring process in the NFL for years now in terms of, I don't know if you want to call it necessarily the good old boys network, but hiring your family, hiring your friends, people that you trust, and it runs pretty deep. And here's what Kalen Kaler had to say about that. It's interesting that you bring that up because when I was talking, I talked to, you know, Norm Turner, Gary Kubiak, and uh, Wade Phillips, who are all former head, uh, former head coaches, white guys who hired their family members to some capacity in the NFL. And uh, without fail, you know, every time I talked to somebody like that, they would bring up the fact like, oh, well, black coaches hire their relatives too. And that is true. And, you know, in Chicago and Illinois, we know that from Lovey Smith, um, who has taken, uh, I think he's had two different sons work for him throughout his uh, football coaching career in Tampa, Illinois, you know, Chicago. So, and, and currently with the Texans, his son is working, his son was working for him um, when he was the defensive coordinator this past season. So everyone would bring that up, and yes, that's true, but if you, like, the, the white coaches are, are the majority, right? They always have been, and they still are the majority. I think in my story, I can't remember, I think it was like 75% of coaches are white. Um, so, you know, that is a way, so the, the white coaches already have the majority, so when they're hiring family members, that's how they're keeping the majority. Um, so, yes, I mean, coaches, it's ingrained in the NFL because football is such an all-encompassing job that you know if you grow up with a dad as a football coach that's your life and likely you're going to want to do the same thing um so it's very natural it's kind of human nature but when white coaches are the majority and you have more white coaches that means there's more white coaches that are hiring their family members and that is how you keep a majority that's really interesting and i I have to admit steve that like as she said it's been ingrained in the nfl culture for years hiring your friends and then you see how she was able to come up with the idea too that you know obviously there are tons more white coaches in the NFL, I have to admit, I always did just accept, yeah, this guy's going to hire his friend. Yes, there's going to be a guy with the same last name as a head coach or, you know, player connections or whatever. Like on any NFL staff, they are all, it is all infiltrated with with friends or close, you know, relatives. Hey, and I can get you a job. It's just the way it works. But the way she presented that little soundbite, and that's just a little piece of it, of a, of a larger article, it makes a lot of sense. And it's just embarrassing, the amount of black coaches that exist in the NFL or don't exist in the NFL. It's just embarrassing. You know, we can extend that to say that there is an abundance of white consultants. And uh, yeah. who are th- who are they going to hire? White family members. That's who they're going to hire. I mean, we that's what we saw. And, yeah. and one of the things that we've seen in the current environment with Bill Polian, it seems different than, than Ernie Acorsi, is that Bill Polian has a, a wider reach. The news today was this, Bears fans. Um, Jim Caldwell, who had, had been a Bears candidate, had yesterday a report on ESPN said that Jim Caldwell had told the Vikings and the Raiders he would not interview. He declined interviews. And that Jim Caldwell was putting together a coaching staff. He was making calls about that. 
So two things. One is any coach worth his worth anything, any smart coach would be making calls to see to play what if with potential with the rest of his staff. The other thing is this. Jim Caldwell came out today and said and tweeted he has not done that. That report is false. He has great respect for the Wolf and Davis families. He has not declined an interview. And the subtext seemed to be, I want an interview. Interview right. me. And he is a Bears candidate. He is a boss fave of Vilpolian. His first year as coach of the Indianapolis Colts, they went to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Saints. They lost to Breezes. And and as coach of the he went seven and one against the Bears while he was coaching the Lions. They're very familiar with that. So Bill Polian's reach seems to be um, talent. You know, there's going to be people in his group like that, but it's far more diverse than what I recall from Ernie Acorsi. And the other news is that Ryan Poles of the Kansas City Chiefs organization has interviewed with the Bears and is now, according to a report by Adam Schefter, scheduled for a second interview Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network says likely Tuesday for Ryan Pohl. So there's your update with that. And, yeah. And I just yeah. want to say that there's that the white, that Bill Polian is, is we talked about the fear or, or the assumption you're going to get their buddies. Yeah. Well, well there's a much more diverse group of buddies or people of whom Bill Polian thinks highly of. Don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and and Caitlin even said it with Bernstein or Rahimi that, yeah, it's human nature. And you're not, they're not necessarily, I'm not saying these guys are racist because they do it. People think, oh, yeah, I know a guy. I know a guy. I used to work with this guy. He's a friend of mine. I'd like to work with him again. You know what I mean? Like that comes up in all of our heads. But they don't realize the potential destruction that it it is doing. And the bad look that it is, considering how many black players there are in the NFL, it's ridiculous and embarrassing that there aren't more. Co- it's laughable. I'm laughing because it's it is laughable. And and anybody who doesn't see that that's a huge problem, you're just you're you're grab you're grasping at straws. All right. I again, I still want Pro Football Reference or Pro Football Focus to have a Bill Polian consultant recommendation record. I want yeah, that yeah. page. Yeah, yeah. I want well, that page because I want to see how they did the Ernie Acorsi one because they're going to walk away from here and they're going to. That's it. We're done. I mean, Ernie Acorsi, the misery he laid on this Bears organization for seven years, the misery of <laughs> Ryan Pace, and I don't know if we can afford if we can withstand another Ryan as a Bears GM. Can you, the, can we do that? <laughs> I don't know. It's a popular name. The 708, this this I just want to read this text before we move on from this. It's it's the text that I was expecting and it's oversimplified. I'm, and I'm not mad at the texter. The texter says hire the person who is the most talented regardless. Race shouldn't matter or play a role. You're 100% right, but race has played a role and blacks have been discriminated against in the NFL. Their opportunities have not been the same as white people. So so you're right, race shouldn't matter, and the most talented person should be hired, but your pool does not include enough black candidates or hasn't historically, so you don't know if you're getting the most talented guy because they're guys that aren't even getting listens because of the color of their skin, or not necessarily that blatantly, but because the person is white and his friends are white and his relatives are white. So did that make sense, Steve? Yeah, I think, it, yeah. there's no question. You're limiting yourself if you're going to limit eliminate if you're going to limit the pool to well, with these yes. are 
The people who look like us. And again, not blatant racism. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's not like, at least I don't think Bill Polian is racist or a lot of these GMs and owners throughout the NFL. I don't think they're racist. Again, it's just that that response that we all have to hire our friends. And if you are black, you might have more black friends. And if you're white, you might have more white friends. It's just the way it works. Mm -hmm. So there you go. All right. Shall we move on, Steve? Let's move on. What Mark heard. Okay. Our near award-winning segment. Here is what else I heard. And unfortunately, I don't have the audio for this. We we looked for it. We thought we had it, and then the audio sounded poor, poor. So I'm going to read this. This is an unprecedented moment in what Mark heard. It's what Mark read. It's what Mark read. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cody Westerland uh, tweeted this, and it's Billy Donovan on Io DeSumo. He says, quote, there's this fine line for players between having a high level of confidence and crossing the line into arrogance and entitlement. He's got incredible belief, but there's also this innocence in him of wanting and being eager to learn. And I, I just thought that that was fascinating because I've been trying to figure for since the season started and we saw this kid contributing in a positive way right away i've been trying to figure out what what he is what the ceiling is on him can he be like a jimmy butler and like add stuff to his game every year and eventually become really good in the nba if not a star but it it does i love the way people talk about him and billy's comments and then being reminded last night during the bulls game that demar derozan took that trip with Io DeSumo to mm-hmm. Illinois that shows how much like the veterans, the star veterans are liking you and you're kind of a nobody. I mean, I think that's that's that says a lot about Io. Sometimes you hear a coach talk about a player's um, coachability, right? Ability to be coached, a willingness to be coached, a, a player's willingness to learn, ability to learn, absorb stuff, how fast they can improve. And what we see, and we don't know that, sometimes it just sounds like BS. It's what a coach does. They're supposed to say that, pump up the player. What we see is, or at least what I've seen from Io, is a fearless player who is relentless and seemingly has one of the highest basketball IQs at a young age and maybe at an older age as well. That's what I see from his play on the court. So I, I believe 100% what Billy Donovan is saying about coachability. Like, we're not there. We're not inside. We don't, we don't know these coaching moments. We don't know what the practices are like. We don't know what, what is said, how this all goes down. But I would believe when, when Billy Donovan says that about Io, based on the other things that we can see, his game, his IQ, his willingness, his fearlessness, you, you have to believe that. And yeah. you have to... You, I don't know where the ceiling is, but we at some point will we'll, somebody will have a discussion and make a list of the best second round draft picks, and he's going to be one of them. He's going to be one of them. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just fascinated by him, and, and maybe I'm overdoing it. Like I, I was talking about him yesterday, too. And I'm like, maybe I just need to accept. Hey, 
I would assume is a really good NBA rotational player who's got some really good skills defensively. He'll get hot offensively every once in a while and just accept it and stop trying to figure this thing out. But I, I can't stop. And one text here, here says from the 773, Grody, I think you're being naive. I think uh, Donovan's comments, while truthful, are meant to sell players during this trade season. And that, I mean, that, that's an interesting take. I tend to believe what Billy Donovan is saying because you could see that. Like, that's very believable what Billy Donovan said. But I will say that, of course, down the road or even this year, somebody like Io DeSumo would definitely be a, a an asset whether you have him or you trade him. So that's not out of the question. I, again, I, I, I like what I see. I, I love it. another in a macro view of this, not just a player who's who's fearless and relentless. And like you said, the way the veterans embraced him, that, that DeMar DeRozan's going down to Champagne, that you'd only have to go to, you know, you go to Champagne only if you lose a bet. But he's down there to watch <laughs> his guy get honored. And that is, that's really big when a veteran does that for a rookie, a second-round draft pick. And, and we've seen the contributions he's made. And if you take a macro view of that, you know, step back and say, this is the kind of scouting player evaluation, assessment, and team building that this new version of the Bulls administration is capable of. And you you, you want to hit the ceiling with this. You, I mean, there is no ceiling. You want to hit the you're, – you're flying. You're going, oh, my God, all things are possible. I don't know what's going to happen at the trade deadline, but can how many, how many moves have they made that you've said, oh, no, this is a disaster? Every move they've made has said – Oh my God! Look where we are. We're at the top of the East. Well, and he's been making big moves since Vucevic, right? I mean, remember yeah. how remember how huge that was, and then to do what he did this off season by getting everybody, you know, getting Demar Derozan and Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, all of whom have been huge, and the chemistry was immediate. So you know what this is? It is we're falling into one of these scenarios where it's like Theo Epstein and. You just kind of trust them. Like, you're going to have your opinions. You're going to have your criticisms. I'm going to have my wants and desires and an idea of what I'd like to see him do. But if he doesn't do anything, it's kind of like, all right, I kind of trust this guy. It seems like he knows what he is doing in a lot of different ways. So even though I don't like that they did nothing ahead of the trade deadline, if that's the way it goes down, I think Arturis is starting to move into that category of we trust him. And that doesn't really pop up a lot. Well, we're getting used to the idea that Bulls management knows what it's doing. I know. <laughs> I know. So right, we, we uh, let's take a break. We'll come back with the with other parts of what Mark heard before we uh, we go down to Indianapolis and we talk about all of the fount of the Bears' choices. So take a break here, Mark. Yeah, let's all do right. it. All right, great job, Steve. Mark Rody. And uh, what Mark heard, our near award-winning segment. And we'll be back. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. We're back with our near award-winning segment of what Mark heard here on Saturday Suckage. And so we'll turn it over to Mark because he's the guy who heard this stuff. Segment, so I am fast-forwarding 
to the Les Grobstein moment, and there are myriad of choices, obviously, but for some reason I wanted to hear, this is all selfish, I wanted to hear a revelation again that Les Grobstein made with Danny Parkins and I, as we were at that point co-hosting, Parkins and I were for Danny Parkins's What About Chicago Radiothon, and we had just finished, we're in the midst of doing a fruit draft, and uh, this, <laughs> yeah, this this is, and I don't even know where we're picking this up, but this is, uh, well, just take a listen. This is interesting. I of all the con, I knew you were, you hate chocolate. I, I don't hate that. it. I love it. It it just doesn't love me. Oh right, and you hate alcohol, and and like these are like like less does not drink, never has, never will, right? Don't smoke either. Don't smoke, right? What do you do? So, and now you throw that this... That leaves only one other kind of uh, vice, really, right? Ooh, so you do... You, you do cocaine? Drugs. Yeah, cocaine. Never mind, we're not going to go there. Okay, this we're not going to talk about your cocaine show. habit. Right? I know it's at this hour, but this is a very, very We'll talk very about your show. cocaine habit another time. Danny, <laughs> my bad. Like I said, I don't do drugs. No, no, of oh, course. Sorry, no. I stopped listening for like 45 seconds. <laughs> I forgot. Look at it this way, Danny. Well, we're not, taking up. We were you still have a days. lot of time to go here, so we're we're basically taking off some yeah. of that time. Well, wait, 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 but hold on. No, a second. What, was, what did was... we leave out? If we did, if we if we left out, if drugs is not it, what is it that we left out? <laughs> uh, drugs, uh, alcohol. But, th- oh. but those are not your vices, right? So what? What is? Do you have a vice? What causes you to be uh, conceived? Your vices. <laughs> Sex. <laughs> I mean, you asked. <laughs> well, need I say anything more than you're welcome? The revelation is there. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that was just so wonderful and unexpected. You know, we were going to talk serious stuff. Les is a kid who's lived in the city his whole life. We're doing the What About Chicago Radiothon, raising money for, for a grocery store. And that's what we came up with in that segment, a fruit draft, which you didn't hear. We could have played the extended cut, which was almost just as amusing, but it all led up to Les is a sex addict. Yes, of course. And, and everybody knew that's where it would go, as one does. Sure. <laughs> as one expects. As one expects. That yeah. was, I remember that. That was the left turn I never saw, sorry, never saw coming. This is just not, oh my right. God. And you use the right phrase, the kid who grew up in Chicago, because again, you, go, you can go back and listen to that, and that sort of sounds like a kid. And, yes. and <clears throat> he intimates the only thing early on, in when as you're as this onion is being peeled back, and you're we're all going to be crying <laughs> by the end because that's what happens. Yeah. So he, he says, "Well, <clears throat> he made the comment. He led you down that path. He says, well, we're not going to go there. Well, you already <laughs> took everybody there, Les. We're parked, man. We just put the car in park. We're we're getting out and we're seeing what's in this town. That's how there we got. But that's also like at midnight, and Danny's probably a little delirious by then. I don't know where my brain was at that time. Uh-huh. I was probably I was probably the most refreshed of everybody. But there was definitely an exasperation element to that, as you could tell from Danny and I. So yes, 
That was wonderful. That's great. Um, are we done? Is the segment over? I think it I, is. We okay. need to, we're going to talk football and with the heart of Chicago football. The heritage franchise known as the Bears is all things Indianapolis. That's what the Bears know about football. That's what George McCaskey knows about football. Indianapolis Colts, that's what George McCaskey knows about football. As a football evaluator, hey, the Colts, they're right now, they're in the next state over, aren't they? Yeah. So we're going to go talk to somebody who covers that football team and that organization from the next state over. Okay, Steve. <laughs> what, what's that? I'm just trying to move you along. That's uh, all. Yeah. I was a dramatic tease. I no, was, you're right. It, it was. was. I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. I apologize. I shouldn't have done that. Right. I, that was crap. Too We're much. the score. We suck. Yeah. Okay, Bye. we suck. Yeah. Yep. Saturday suckage. Okay, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.